Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Why should we pray? Let me give you some reasons. Write the first one down this morning. Number one, why pray? Because the Bible commands us to pray. It is not a suggestion. It is a commandment from God. All through the Bible, we're commanded to pray. Jesus often said, when you pray, not if you pray, but when. Here in our passage that you have your Bibles open to, Paul says he commands us to pray. If you're a parent, you've probably had to command your children to do something without giving them a big explanation. That's hard to do sometimes, but necessary. The understanding will come later. In the same way, God has given Christ followers commands, many of which you don't understand why until after the fact. Pastor Mark is teaching about one of those commands, to pray about everything. You have needs and concerns that are beyond your ability to solve. God wants to provide the answer to you. The only way for you to receive that answer is to communicate with God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Let's join Pastor Mark for part one of his message, Pray About Everything. about no thing. Some of you are young enough because we're dedicating babies like crazy. You're thinking about new children. Well, I want to show you a statistic. Let me read it for you. Every year, the U.S. Department of Agriculture issues new statistics on the cost of raising a child from birth to 18. Now, this has nothing to do with college. You like have to sell your home to get your kid to college. What does it cost? What is the latest average to raise a brand new child? So those of you thinking, here's something to worry about. The cost of raising a child is now $226,000. 40% more than 10 years ago. Amazing. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it worth it? Come on, say say yes. Yes, it's definitely worth it. As a teenager, you can say no, but when they're young, you can say you can say yes. So there's something to worry about. I have one more thing for you to worry about. How many of you like coffee? You like coffee. I like coffee. How many like Starbucks coffee? Let me see your hand. Oh, look at all the Starbucks fans. That's good. I like Starbucks too. Well, this just came out Friday. The kids are into Monster and Red Bull and Rockstar and Amp and Full Throttle. I don't know where they get these names. All these kind of caffeinated drinks. Well, most of us younger people, we, we drink coffee. 
And then the real younger, the teenager, they drink whatever's got caffeine in it. I want to give you something to worry about. You know, right now, coffee's good for you. The scientists tell us it's good for us. Tomorrow's probably going to kill you, but today they, they tell us it's good for us. How much caffeine is in coffee? And that was the whole article. Here, if you brew coffee at home, normal brewing, i.e. like McDonald's, okay? In 16 ounces, there's 100 milligrams of caffeine. 16 ounces. A Coke has 34. So coffee's pretty good. How much caffeine is in Starbucks Pike Place Roast? 16 ounce cup. How much? 330 milligrams. No wonder you like Starbucks. Now we have somebody here on staff that's a Starbucks, well he's hooked. I won't tell you his name. He's in the IT department. His name is Chris. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I sent him that, and he went, no wonder I'm hooked. He usually has two or three a day. 330 milligrams? Now, really, I wish all of you had one so you'd stay awake this morning as I teach, but let me just give you some keys as we go through. We really have a lot more to worry about than our Starbucks coffee or raising a kid. What does worry mean? Most of the things that we worry about, they never happen to us, and yet we're worried. But worry is this, to be anxious about, to be pulled in two different directions. And what we learn is this, that all people have the disease of worry. You do, and I do. A husband and a wife were waking in the middle of the night by something stirring downstairs in the kitchen. So the husband got up, as he should, went down to find a man with a mask stealing things out of their kitchen. And the husband said, sir, are you a burglar? (laughs) The man said, yes, I am. And the husband responded, would you do me a big favor and come upstairs with me for a moment? I want you to meet my wife. She's been expecting you for 30 years. So so we all have things that we have some anxiety about, some stress, some worry in our lives. Now we learn some consequences about worry. I'd encourage you to write them down this morning. Here's what they are. Number one, worry solves nothing and accomplishes nothing. Jesus in the book of Matthew said, can you add an hour to your life? No. One of the translations says, can you add an inch to your height by worrying? I've tried it for over 60 years. It didn't work. No. But the second one is more important. Worry negatively affects us spiritually, emotionally, and physically. It's not that it just doesn't do any good. But it does have an effect on you and I. So when we open the scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul, through God, gives us the cure for this disease called worry. Now, the world has all kinds of ideas of how to solve stress and worry and anxiety. 
So I've rewritten verse 6 in the Balmer translation today. Let's see what you think about it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, take out your worry stone and run your thumb over the surface, and it will calm you and release your tension. Here's a picture of a worry stone. Do you know how big that rock was when it started? (laughs) Ever been to Mount Rushmore? You see, the world has all kinds of solutions. Well, I just take this stone and I feel really good. Run my thumb over and whatever. Well, they're so popular, I figured they might work. So at the end of the service, we have a little display set up. They're 20 bucks each. And all that money is going to go to finish the children's building. So it's not going down the tubes. It's, it's going to be there. No, don't worry. It's not really true. Uh, worry stone doesn't help at all. We're not going to do that. So you can stop worrying. Well, what does the scripture say? Look at verse 6 again in your Bibles. Do not be anxious about anything. And what if that was the verse? What if it ended right there? For the world, it ends there. For the unbeliever, it ends there. Because they do not understand the rest, the solution, the cure to the disease of worry. But our God does. So he gives us the solution. Notice, do not be anxious about anything But, here's the cure, in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We share with you five parts of this cure. I'm just going to focus on two today, and we'll add the other three so you have the complete cure. Remember, it's a disease. It's a spiritual disease. And like a physical disease, there are medicines To cure it, we have five kind of medicines that are put into one. Cure number one, write it down. Cure number one, trust, have faith in the Lord. And you'll see why I put that number one in a moment. David writes in Psalm 37, verse 3, this. Trust, not in yourself, in the Lord and do good then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Notice, you delight in God first, and then the desires come to our lives. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, him, and he will help you. So the first cure to worry is found in trusting and having faith in God And his promises. And notice that leads us, and you're going to see why. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Now we'll unpack that rest of that verse because there's three types of prayer there, all with an attitude. We'll unpack that. But the cure number two is this write it down pray about everything. Well, what is prayer? Even unbelievers pray. Prayer is a common thing that's in our world. But 
what is this cure? Pray about everything. What does it mean? Let me, we have complicated it so much. Let me make it simple to you. Write this definition down if you will. Prayer is a two-way conversation with a loving God. With a loving God. Prayer is a two-way conversation with a loving God. Now, let me show you the difference between Christianity and all other world religions, basically. Let's say this morning, this is a God that you would pray to. This man-made stool. Much of the world, Linda and I have been all over the world, and it's sad. It just breaks my heart. Much of the world prays to an idol, something man-made. We pray to the one true living God. That's hugely different. But understand today, we were in Thailand last year with visiting and teaching in one of our missionary areas. And we went into this beautiful, beautiful place where the, the Thai people worship Buddha, the temple. And man, I saw these grown men just weeping, and women weeping with their, their incense and the money they gave and the flowers. And they're bowing down to a statue that can't hear can't feel, can't touch, cannot solve anything in your life. I'm not making fun. That's sad. Do you know that sometimes we pray kind of that way? Oh, God. What God? I don't know. There's God somewhere. No, no, no. He's a very personal God. So look at the definition. Two-way conversation with a loving God. Impossible definition for most of the world religion. There's no response back. Zero response back. Now, why have we complicated it? Even in Christianity, we've complicated it. Some of you were raised more in a very religious church, and so... Your prayers were written out. Nothing wrong with them. Actually, many of them are beautiful, but you just pray them. And there's nothing that goes here. You just, you just pray them over and over, the same old thing. Well, that's exactly what happened in Jesus' time. The Jewish people, they prayed their prayers. I'm not making fun. means nothing. You know, we can do that in our churches that are a little more open and not so legalistic. You know what we do? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. means nothing. Means, means nothing. So Jesus spoke about it. He says about prayer, listen to what he says, Matthew 6. When you pray, don't babble on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words over and over and over again. We need to get back to the simplicity the simple, the honest, two-way conversation with a loving God. It's as if our God is our heavenly Father, and the words we use, 
would be like speaking, even though more respect, obviously, to an earthly mother or father. Now, I want to practice a little bit. So here's a promise from God in the Old Testament. In the book of Jeremiah, take a look at it. In the book of Jeremiah, at 33.3, notice what it says. And I want you to tell me who's doing what. Here we go. It starts about, and it says this. Call to me. Now, who's doing the calling? Tell me who's doing the calling. If you think it's a person doing the calling, raise your hand. Raise your hand. What do you think? What do the rest of you think? Like, are you clueless? Is that God? No, that's, that's what? It's two-way conversation. I already gave you the answer. Notice one. One is who? Me. If you're a one, raise your hand in this place. If you're one. If you're a person, what does that scripture say for you to do? Call or pray to God. I'm doing what? My part. Now, if I call to God and he's living, who has the next part? We'll take a look at it. And I will answer you. Whose part is that? It's God's part. So my part is to do what? Call or pray to God. His part is to what? Answer me. And notice what it says. And I'll answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't even know. You see, there is no two-way conversation with the dead God. I'm calling to the one true God through Jesus Christ who can not only answer me, not only eliminate my worry, but give me the answers to every single part of my life. We have to bring it back to that kind of intimacy. Now, there was a minister's little six-year-old girl who had been kind of bad and naughty during the week, so her mother decided to give her pretty strict punishment. She said to her, you can't go to the Sunday school picnic this Saturday. Well, when the day came, the mother felt she'd been a little too harsh, and she changed her mind. Any, ever been there? Yeah. And so she went into the daughter, and she says, I'm sorry, you, you really weren't that bad, and I don't want to do that. And, and you can now go to the picnic. Well, she said that, the child looked gloomy and unhappy. And the mother says, well, wait a minute. I just told you I'm sorry, and you can go to the picnic. What's the problem? I thought you'd be excited to go. And she says, Mom, it's too late. I already prayed for rain. <laughs> How complicated is that? It's very simple. You see, she had understood what C.H. Spurgeon says. We should speak to God from our hearts and talk to him as a child talks to his father. Why should we pray? Let me give you some reasons. Write the first one down this morning. Number one, why pray? Because the Bible commands us to pray. It is not a suggestion. It is a commandment from God. All through the Bible, we're commanded to pray. Jesus often said, when you pray, not if you pray, but when, here in our passage that you have your Bibles open to, Paul says he commands us to pray. Now, if you've been a Christ follower, a Christian for a while, you came across a verse that confused you about prayer. And if you're not a believer yet, when you do come across the verse, I want you to already know the answer to it. Notice this verse, what Jesus says. 
It's interesting. Matthew 6, 8, it goes like this. Your father, God, he knows exactly what you need (laughs) before you ask him. So God already knows what I need. Well, Pastor Mark, why? If God already knows what I need before I pray, why should I pray? It's a great question. Why should you pray? Here's the answer, number two. Why pray? Because prayer maintains our personal relationship with God. You see, God knows what we need, but he wants to have a two-way conversation with us. He wants us to come to him. He wants to have an intimate personal relationship, and prayer is one way that provides that. You see, you, you can't know someone unless you communicate with them. The way I get to know you, and that's why I challenge you to be in many of these parties and be in others' homes, when you're there, you get to know people. You're communicating with them. Email's one thing. Being in person is way different. Prayer is that intimacy that God has designed so that we could have that relationship. Prayer is God's method of communication. And it maintains that personal relationship between a human and a heavenly father. Now, we have an illustration of what that looks like. Let me show you again. In the Bible, John 15, over and over, the Bible says this, that Jesus is the vine. See that big vine there? All the nutrients come in the vine. And you and I are that little branch. See that little light green branch? And then from that is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, salvation, giving thanks, all kinds of things. So notice the relationship. As long as I'm attached to the vine, which is Jesus, and by the way, the gardener, is God. He's maintaining that. So you and I, as Christians, we're just part of this amazing, and notice, this is living. It's not a sterile. It's not a dead religion. It's a living, vibrant relationship. So whatever's happening around with the vine affects the branch, and the branch gets everything it needs from the vine. Now, the branch, you and I, we get everything we need from that amazing vine. But we're connected. There's a relationship. There's an intimacy that we're together. That's what prayer accomplishes. It isn't just this. Let's say today I need, boom, that. Thanks, God. Thank you. No, he wants to hear us talk to him because we have a vibrant, personal relationship. Now, let me ask you a question. We'll take a seat a moment. Just look at that for a moment. When's the last time You really communicated with God, that you spoke to God. Not out of a wish list, but because you want to know him. He's your heavenly father. When's the last time you really did that? Well, I said it was two-way communication. Let me ask this question. When was the last time that God spoke back to you? God, God doesn't speak to us, does he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things you learned today was how expensive it is to raise a child and how that can be a reason for worry. More importantly, Pastor Mark told you the truth that worrying solves nothing and accomplishes nothing. Scripture tells you to trust in God and to pray about everything. 
God knows about your problems. He wants you to admit that only He can solve them. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will go on with the teaching, Pray About Everything. He will continue to unpack the concept of prayer, what it is, what is involved in biblical prayer, and what the Bible has to say about prayer. You'll learn how important the Bible says that prayer is and how you can move from prayerlessness to having an effective prayer life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.